I was reminiscing, as a good pastor does, right? Reminiscing. And uh, and the kind of person that I am, I love to look back. I I like to look back even on the day. You know, Lindsay and I, every night, uh, you know, as we get ready for bed, I always say, uh, babe, babe, what's something that, like, good happened today? And she's like, I just want to go to bed. Can we just just not talk? You know, like, I'm tired. I'm like, yeah, but what did we learn about today? Or anytime we have a church service, we always share wins with our team. But then what did we learn? Or, Or what was great? Or what should we work on? And I love looking back. I even love looking back as far as, uh, man, when I, uh, 17, this is our 17 year, 17 years of getting married. I want you to see this. Everybody go, oh, look at that. Ah, look at that. Look at that. And look at this here. I was a little heavier then, and that was our mentor, Pastor Robert Gorey. And uh, I, I, was, I, I, I was significantly heavier because I wanted to make sure she married me for my mind, everybody. Come on. That's right. That's right. But always looking back at our wedding day, it was fun to remember. You, you look at the pictures and you see this is what a wonderful day. But how many know there's behind the scenes, right? Where the boys are locked up in the locker room waiting for the pictures to be done, you know. I don't want to see the bride. It's hot. It was a warm day. All these different things. And looking back, I remember in our wedding reception, uh, looking back, uh, we had a moment in the cake where we, you, you eat the cake, right? And look at this soap pass. That's fire right there, you know what I mean? Like... I don't know what was going on back then, but, and so there was, uh, you know, 2007, and there's cake, and, and even in the cake eating moment, uh, I fed her her cake, and I, when I gave her the cake, she ate it, and I, I backed my fingers away, and then when she ate the cake in front of everybody, and photographers, she had the cake, and she put it in my mouth with her, with her, with her finger, her finger was in my mouth, and I just went, Argh. and she went, ah, my finger, you bit my finger! And I'm with smile, ah, you know, like, we're happy. And I was remembering that day. Besides, who puts their finger in someone's mouth? Anyways, and, and we're looking back on this day. And I remember looking back 17 years ago, we both stood before a preacher. Because how many know a wedding is a holy ceremony, right? It is more than just your name on a contract. And I want you to know that 17 years ago, there was a promise that was made. There was a promise that was made on that day that is still in effect today. There was a promise made on that day that was still in effect today. Right, honey? Right? You know, on that day, there's a promise that was made that's still in effect today. So if you got your Bibles out, if you got your notes out, thank you. Thank you for clapping. And uh, happily married, by the way. Uh, I want you to write this down. The title of my message today in our seven collection is I want us to look back in order to move ahead. I want us to look back in order to move ahead. I'm going to talk about the tension of looking back. For many in this room, we're saying, I don't want to look back. Or for many in this room, we say, yeah, looking back is great, but I'm a hustler. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm an adventurer. I'm, I'm someone who wants to plow forward. I love what Winston Churchill said. He said, I want the farther back you can look, the farther forward you're likely to see. The farther you look back, it's the farther forward you're likely to see. And I want to challenge you as your pastor, if I have the privilege of being your pastor after today, I want you to look further back than your own life. I want you to look way, way back. What's interesting, if you read in Revelations, I mean, a Revelation is the last book in the Bible. Uh, some of us, we've been reading the Bible uh, every single day. You're going to finish the Bible. You're going to finish Revelations towards November, December. I'm going to be praying for you because that's a difficult book to read. And you're like, what is going on in the book of Revelation? But that is our future. 
book. That Revelation tells us that the enemy is going to be defeated. The devil is going to be defeated. That there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation is our future book. And what I love about Revelation, I'm going to go quick today, but what I love about Revelation is as you read Revelations moving forward, Revelations takes you back contextually. Revelations takes you backwards. So Revelations chapter 1, and I don't know if you can see this, but we'll put this in your notes. Revelation 1 talks about the seven lamps and the seven churches, but it's referencing 1 Kings chapter 7, King Solomon rebuilding his temple. So Revelations 1 is talking about uh, 2 Kings, or 1 Kings, but then Revelations chapter 4 and 5, talk about the Lion of Judah, the Root of David, it's referencing 2 Samuel chapter 5. So it's going backwards as we go forward. I want you to catch that. As you read forward, the Bible's going backwards. In Revelation chapter 9, it talks about the seven trumpets and the fall of a great city. It's referencing Joshua chapter 6. If you were here last week, right? Don't quit on the six. Don't quit on six. But he was talking about the seven-day march around Jericho. It goes back even further. The song, Moses' son in heaven. Moses will sing in heaven. I hope he's a good singer because I'm not, you know? And Revelation 15, but it's referencing Exodus 15 of the Israelites singing after crossing the Red Sea. So as we're moving forward, the Bible is moving us backwards. Revelation 20, the world is destroyed by a fire. It's referencing Exodus 15, where the world was destroyed by water, by a flood, referencing Noah and the ark. And then as it continues to go back, Revelations 21 through 22 talks about a new heaven and a new earth. People say, what will the new heaven and new earth be like? It's going to be like today without sin, because earth is God's taste. That's good right there, huh? And it says, Revelation 21, 22, it's a new heaven and new earth. It's referencing Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, when it says the Garden of Eden had a new creation. Why in the world, as we move forward, does the Bible look backwards? It's because Jesus came to reverse all the curses of the world to bring his people back to him. Reverses the curse. Reverse the curse. And so I want to talk about, Pastor, how do I look back? How do we, even as a church, how do we look back in these last seven years? Because we can look back at the good, the bad, the ugly. We can look back just a few years ago where I got a little while. Uh, man, we can look back at our own lives. We can look back and say, my goodness, uh, man, what a journey. Uh, my goodness, I wouldn't change it for anything. Or maybe on the other hand, you say, I would change everything. But there's a phrase I want us to walk away with today, not just happy seven or happy birthday, but the phrase I want us to walk away with is I want to hold on to what was said that helps me to press ahead. I want to hold on to what was said, and it helps me to press ahead. I want to hold on to what was said because it'll help me to press ahead. And I couldn't think of a, a perfect scripture for today than 2 Kings chapter 4. Lots of different scripture verses I thought about, but I love 2 Kings chapter 4. It's about a Shunammite woman. And Shunammite woman and her husband, she was very wealthy, but she didn't have children. But there's a prophet that often came to her town named Elisha, S-H-A, Elisha. And Elisha often went to the town, so she told her husband, hey, let's build a room for him so he can stay with us, because close proximity matters. Could I get an amen? It matters who you hang out with. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. But then one day, he came to the town and he went to his room. He basically walked in and said, yo, I'm here shooting my woman, and went into his room, and he began to rest. Then he told his servant Gehazi, Gehazi, this woman, she's amazing. Her husband's incredible. I love their hospitality. What can we do for them? And Gehazi said, she doesn't have children. And Gehazi's still a wise man, because he said, they don't have any children. She's cool, but he's old. 
He's an old man. There's a lot of things I can go with that, but I'm going to keep on going. He doesn't have a son, or they don't have a son. Call her back again. And when the woman returned, Elisha said to her, she stood in the doorway, and he said, next year you will be holding a son in your arms. Next year you'll be holding a son in your arms. Have you ever received a prophetic word and you're like, don't you dare go there. Don't you dare say that. And this is what she says. I love this. This is a woman of God. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and don't get my hopes up. But sure enough, sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a son just as Elijah had said. Just as Elijah had said. So, man, how do I look back? Number one, point number one, get your hopes up. Number one, I want you to get your hopes up. I want you to get your hopes up. I, this is not in my notes, but I just, I double dog dare you to put yourself on a 90-day no complaining challenge. On a 90-day no complaining challenge. Don't look back and go, well, don't look back and say, what? I look back and say, 2020, <laughs> I got better ideas. Don't look back and complain. But I want you to get your hopes up. Proverbs chapter 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. There is something connected to getting your hopes up and seeing your dreams get fulfilled. There are too many buried dreams in this room, and I want you to say, maybe what if God could? What if God answered it? What if God, instead of saying, don't you dare get my hopes up, I came to celebrate your seventh birthday. Don't be pulling up some old visions and old dreams. But that's what we want to do. Pastor Lindsay says this, we're gold diggers, meaning we want to pull gold out of individuals. There are gold and dreams and visions on the inside of you that God has placed you inside of you to make a difference in this city and in this world for his praise and his glory. Now, don't get, don't get my hopes up, Pastor. I want you to get your hopes up. Now, I love this. Paul writes to the church in Philippi and Philippians, and he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. Like, uh, I, you know, I don't mean to say I'm awesome. You know, like, Pastor Jeremy's not, you know, pure and holy giving glory to the king of kings every single day. I, I still struggle and, and, and all those different things. But he goes, but I press on. I press on to possess that perfection which Christ first possessed in me. Then it says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. I want you to see his attitude. I want you to not say, hey, if I, you know, I, he, he said, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Well, pastor, you just told me to look back. Forgetting the past and looking forward. I press on to reach the end of the race received the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, called us. Now, in the original language, when Paul says press on, he says to pursue. He needs pursue completion or perfection. But when you look back, when he said, I press on, don't look back. In the original language, Paul is saying, don't ever, you don't, you don't just forget. You know, just, I mean, when Jesus forgives us, he forgets everything. From the moment we say, come into my life, be Lord of my life, I repent of my sins. He forgets, right? But if we look back, we're not to say, I'm never going to look back. Who's mom and dad? You know what I mean? Like, what was college? You know, like, we don't look back and completely forget. But in biblical context, I want you to see this. In biblical context, forgetting the past means forgetting our failures and regrets. 
We forget our failures and regrets. We, we forget, we forget, and, it's, 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 and hear me, it's not pie in the sky. It is not, uh, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm just so naive. Paul is saying, look back at the promises of God, but don't look back at the failures and regrets, but press on to pursue what God has for your life. What does he mean? He says, I need you to hold on to what was said, which helps me to press ahead. So I want you to get your hopes up. I want you to get your hopes up. I mean, I, I, you might have to write this down somewhere. A, I got confetti on me. You might have to write this down somewhere and say, man, don't complain. Get your hopes up. Get, don't complain. Get your hopes up. That's number one. But number two, I want you to adjust your perspective. I think it's key that Elijah looked at her and he said, next year at this time, you'll be holding a son in your arms. Like he wasn't a safe prophet. You know what a safe prophet is? Sometime later, you'll get a baby. Might be from your belly. It might be adoption. I don't know. But not this one. Elijah said, this time next year, you'll be holding a son in your arms. I remember last year in 2023, right? No, yeah, 2023, January of 2023, we did 21 days of prayer and fasting. Man, we were laying hands on one another on a Sunday night. And also my wife, I, mean, I thought we were done. I thought we were wrapping up. Uh, man, it was a powerful night of worship. We went two hours or so. Pastor Lindsay just had a word from the Lord. And, and when you have a word from the Lord, you just can't shake it. Like, you, you have to say something. And she, she came up on this platform, and she said, I just, I, I, I rebuke barrenness. I, I, I pray there will be no barren women in this church. And if you know our story, that's been our story uh, of just infertility and all those different things. And so she prophesied. She said, in the name of Jesus, and there was a young lady in our service that day who we've been praying with, we've been linking arms with, we've been crying with her as she's trying to have children but having miscarriages. And she was in there, and I believe with all my heart, she held on to what was said so that she could press ahead. And this last January, just a month ago, we got up and we celebrated over a dozen new mamas, over a dozen uh, babies that were born, right? We could clap for that. But also that same young lady, Sarah, was at our worship night last month holding her newborn baby. This time next year. See, vision, and this is, this is, this is, I can't debunk this. I, I've tried to, I've tried to uh, place devil, devil's advocate with myself, but vision is always tied to a promise. Vision is always tied to a promise. For us at Avenue Church, what promise are we standing on? Hundreds of promises. Every single day we stand on the promise that Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. That we stand on that promise that we're saved by grace through faith. Not by our works, not by what we did, but what Jesus did on the cross. But another promise we're standing on is when Jesus looked at Peter. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. For seven years, that's all we've been saying. Jesus is going to build this church. We're going to build people. Jesus is going to build this church. We're going to build people. It's not about big buildings. It's about big people. It's about investing in people. It's about equipping in people. It's about pulling gold out of people. It's about seeing God's plan and vision for people. That's our job. That is our desire. So Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Friends, what is a promise that we're standing on today? It is God's will for his church to grow. 
And that's twofold. He wants us to grow and make an impact numerically on a Sunday morning all throughout our city. But more importantly, God wants you to grow as a disciple of Christ. That's why we have discipleship groups launched. That's why we have small groups taking place. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why you can sit in a room full of individuals and say, I don't know what this means. And they'll say, good, me either. Let's study it together. There are no theologians in this room. We're just disciples. We're all learning and we're all on a journey. But it's God's desire. It is God's will for you to grow. It is God's will for this church to grow. But what if she received her promise? What if you're in a situation in your life, you're like, I got it. It's good. Why don't you continue on reading 2 Kings? The child gets a little bit older. He goes, he went to help out his father who's working with the harvesters. And suddenly he cried out, my head hurts, my head hurts. His dad said the same thing. Carry his home to his mom. Get him out of here. Come on. They take him home to his mom. And what happens is he died. She carried him up. This is mama's response. She carried him up, laid him on the bed of the man of God. She went into the upper room where Elisha stayed, laid the dead child there. She shut the door. She went to send her messenger, send one of the messengers with the donkey, and I'm going to go see the man of God. They said, why go today? You know what they're saying? It's not Sunday. It's not, why, why are you going to church today? It's not Sunday. And she says this, it will be all right. It's going to be okay. Some of us in the church world, we can say, how naive, how stupid, how, how ignorant. But she said, it's going to be Okay, she saddled her donkey, told her servants, hurry up, I'm going to go and get Elijah. Elijah saw her at a distance at Gehazi. Go, look, the Shunammite woman is coming. They ran out to meet her, and Gehazi says, is everything okay with you and your husband and your child? And she goes, yes, everything is fine. It's all right, and everything's fine. But this is point number three for us today, because the Bible was written, was written to them, but it's for us today. So how do I translate this message today is number three, sometimes you just got to hang on to the promise. Sometimes you got to hang on to that scripture verse. Sometimes you just got to hang on. And can I just tell you, hang on for dear life. Sometimes you just got to say, I got a word from God. Uh, somebody said something and lined up with God's word. It's in this, it's in that. Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. During lockdowns, I was praying that first. Jesus, you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Sometimes you got to hang on to a promise. So how do you know she's hanging on to a promise when she said, it's fine. How's your boy doing? He's good. That sounds very churchy to me, right? Like, how are you doing today? Fine. God is good all the time. Just yelled at my kids on the way here. It just, like, like, it just erupted in my house this morning. But we're here, praise the Lord. But you know she was holding on to a promise. She was holding on to a thread. She was maybe in the house of God. She said, man, pastor has no idea. I'm here, I'm smiling, I'm clapping. 599 salvations. Maybe one will get saved today, so we got 600, you know, like, it's going to be amazing. What a great Sunday. But he has no idea what I'm going through. He has no idea of the, 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 the pain and the hurt. But here's what she does. She gets alone with the man of God. She came to the man of God on the mountain, and she fell to the ground. And before him, she caught a hold of his feet. Gehazi pushed her away, but the man of God said, leave her. She's deeply troubled, but the Lord has told me, has not told me what it is. And did, she says this, did I ask you, my Lord? Did I ask you for all this? You, you got my hopes up. Did I ask you? Man, I, I went a little east side there for a second. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't deceive me. 
and get my hopes up. Didn't I say? For some of us, maybe you raised your hand at some point in your life and you said, I want, to, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to be a Christian. Man, I want you to pull me out of darkness into the wonderful, godly light. And ever since you raised your hand, you said, what? I didn't ask for all this. What is all this trials and tribulations stuff? What is all this discomfort? What is going on in my life? Don't get my hopes up. Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? Don't deceive me and get my hopes up. This is where it's key. Because Elijah said, hey, Gehazi, take my, take my stick because you're much faster than I am. And take my walking stick all the way to the house and lay it on the child and he will be healed. So Gehazi goes, of course, man, anything, any, anything for this Shunammite woman. He runs to the house, puts the stick on the child. Nothing happens. Does it again. He's like broken stick, you know, like goes back to Elijah. And the woman said, no, I don't want Gehazi. I don't want this stupid stick. I want the prophet. I want the man of God. And so uh, the next point is, I wish I had seven points, but couldn't do it. Next point is, man, you got to get in the right community. You got to get in the right community. And why don't I share a story with you today? It's, uh, you, you, you know this, this incredible woman. Uh, she serves you coffee every Sunday. She is. And they're cheering for you, not the coffee. But I want you to give it up for Brenda. King, real quick. Come here, Brenda. Come on up here. All right. Go ahead and have a seat, Brenda, right here. And I just want to ask Brenda just a few quick questions this morning. And uh, it's her birthday. We can go two hours, right? Okay, no. Pastor Lindsay said no. No one clap? What's up? So, Brenda, real quick. Quick, Brenda, I want to ask you, when did you, how did you start coming to Avenue Church? Is that on? Yep, that should be all fired up. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I started coming, um, this year it'll be three years. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Three years. And, and what got you here? My niece. Oh, so, t <laughs> so your niece got you here. Yeah, we were looking for a home church. That's right. And... I've been to other churches, mm -hmm. but I didn't feel the same vibes okay. that I felt when I first came here at yeah. Avenue. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. And A-Team, that's all because of you. It's because of your, man, your love for people. And I want to ask you, so when, so you, you first came three mm -hmm. years ago, you loved the vibe, you loved how, how it felt, but when did you decide to make Avenue Church your home? On the third visit. On the third visit. Look at that. I like that. Come on, y'all. <laughs> on the third visit. Took three times, but why? What, what happened on the third visit? On the third visit, everybody was continuing to be so warm yeah. and so welcoming yeah. and just really made me feel yeah. at home. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Come on, church. So, Brenda, I want to ask you, when did you accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? About 15 years ago. 15 years ago. And so yeah. tell me, uh, what made you accept Jesus at that point? At that point, I was going through a lot of things also. I just okay. lost my husband, and I really needed something in my life. So okay. at that point, I did accept him. Wow. But also, I just wanted to um, share that when I did come yeah. to, first came to uh, Avenue, I came, I was broken, I had a lot of trauma, 
I felt I had no self-worth. I was a people pleaser because I just got tired of people just hurting me all the time. But when I came to the Avenue, I knew all the kind people, all the spiritual people here. Yeah. They would accept me for who I was and just yeah. continue to love me. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It was such a loving church. Thank you. Such a loving church, and I just love you guys. You guys. <laughs> you and Pastor Lindsay always said, get it plugged into a community. Yeah. Get plugged into the small groups because yeah. they will help you grow. Yeah. You're in a family. Right. You have people that will pray with you, yeah. people that will laugh with you. Yeah. People just give you hugs and just know you are somebody. That's right. <laughs> One day, I had a meltdown out in front of the church. And Susan was out there, told her my story. I said, Susan, I didn't know I was this broken. She told me, you broken you're healing she was so loving and so kind That's right uh, like the all the women and men here everybody showed you nothing but love and yeah. kindness here come on did you hear that you're not broken you're healing you're healed i love that i love that and so i want to ask you brenda um you, know, you mentioned before we talked earlier she said she she gave her life to jesus 15 years ago at a church and that pastor was, was saying, get in the group, get in the group, get in the group. And you never did. I never did. I never realized how important community was until I yeah. got here. Yeah. I'm in two groups. The senior ladies with Miss Karen. Seasoned ladies. Seasoned yeah. ladies with Miss Karen. And I'm yeah. in a Nissa small group. Yeah. And in these groups, we grow together. Yeah. We stay on our spiritual journey. That's right. We keep each other accountable. Right. We laugh together. Yeah. We cry together. Yeah. You know, you just yeah. find a life. Avenue has been my lifeline. That's right. These groups are your lifeline. That's right. Amen. So, so you, um, she serves in the coffee bar. She, <laughs> she, she sets up in the mornings, right? Come on. And uh, that's why the coffee's so good. Come on. And, uh. And they're cheering for you, not the coffee, I promise. And, um, but what, got you, what got you serving at Avenue Church? Okay, I'm going to tell you a story. You guys always say, we need servers. We need people to serve yeah, the, in, the different, pastors. I know. in different yeah. departments. And so I had a bad case of the I can't. I can't write a book. I can't dance. I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. What can I do? So one day... I was sitting here talking to Pastor Lindsay before church, and we were just, you know, chit-chatting, just chit-chatting. And so she asked me, they needed a need that day for the coffee bar, and she asked me if I would help her mom out at the coffee bar. I said, sure. And so at the service, and I went and I told her, I said, well, thank you for asking me because I would have never gotten on anything because I just didn't know what to do. So I've been serving two years now. That's awesome. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> so Brenda, we love you, and you represent so many of us. So thank you for sharing your story. I want you to read 
She, you wrote a little something yes, to our I church, did. and I would love for you to. I can't find sh- it on my phone because it went cuckoo. But uh, <laughs> that's all right. I um, know God planted me at Avenue for a reason. He wants to help me to continue to grow, to be that spiritual woman, mature woman that He created me to be. Yeah. And also, I'm not too broken for Him to use. That's right. I am worth something. I am his child. And he uses me, and I just love all of you. Thank you. Amen. Come on, give it up for Brenda, everybody. Thank you. Come on. Friends, that's why community is so, so powerful. And I just love that. Thank you, Brenda. And there is so much more to her story. But this is our last point, get in the right community. But also, I never realized this about the Shunammite woman. Just like Brenda's story, maybe you heard her story today. And even I want you to ask her today, before you knew Jesus, what other denomination or religion were you a part of? Because she has a powerful story. There's so much more to her story. But maybe you're here in this room and you heard her story. Or when someone hears your story, it's going to impact your life. Yeah. You're going to say, well, if, it, if, if, they, if, if God can do it for her, then maybe God can do it for me. And I realize this, but theologians said, without a shadow of a doubt, because of the context of the time of the Shunammite woman and Elisha, They said, without a shadow of a doubt, she had heard about Elijah's coach or Elijah's mentor, Elijah. If you know the Bible, Elijah gave Elisha a double portion and he went into heaven. And so there's a story in 1 Kings. Let's go to 1 Kings real quick. We've been camping out in 2 Kings, but in 1 Kings, this is a story this woman heard within her community. Because remember, they they didn't have social media back then. She didn't TikTok this. This was all around the community. Getting the right community is so important who you hang out with. But she knew, and this is one of the reasons why they believe she knew Elisha was a man of God that she could build a house for him or build a room for him at her house. Because in 1 Kings, sometime later, a woman's son became sick. This is a different woman. And I never realized this, but he grew worse and worse. Finally, he died. Then Elijah replied, give me your son. He took the, body, the child's body from her arms, carried him up into the stairs of the room where he was staying, and laid the body on his bed. He stretched himself over the child three times, cried out to the Lord, oh Lord my God, please let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child was returned, and he revived. Come on, that's good. This is First Kings chapter 17. This is what she probably heard. She heard somebody else's word. <laughs> I'm going to piggyback off your, I like your word. A city on the hill that cannot be hidden. That's my word right there. Healed from deafness. I'll take it. I'll receive that word too. Man, completely redeemed, completely restored. But Brenda said, man, I'm not too broken that God cannot use me. I'm taking that word today. I'm taking that. So they believe she had, a, she had God's promises in her back pocket. She had the prophet's word, but also she had this other woman's miracle. So when Elijah arrived, we're back in 2 Kings. The child was indeed dead. Check this out. 
lying on the prophet's bed. He went in alone. He shut the door. He laid down on the, on the child's body, placed his mouth on the child's mouth, eyes on the child's eyes, his hands on the child's hands. He stretched out on him. The child's body began to grow warm again. Elijah got up, walked back and forth across the room once, stretched out himself again on the child. This time, the boy sneezed seven times. Seven times. Seven because it's our birthday? Yes. But also, we learned last week, seven means completion, but also seven represents, this is God's number. God loves the number seven, but God's number, seven also represents new birth. New life, complete, perfect, new life. And it opened his eyes. I want you to hold on to what was said to help you to press ahead. So will you stand with me, please? I want to pray with you today. If you're able to, we just stand and we bow our heads. Will you close your eyes for just a moment? And maybe you came here because someone brought you. Maybe someone invited you today. I hope you leave here with a word. Our prayer is, it's God's word. But that word is, how do I look back? I want you to get your hopes up. No more complaining. No more speaking death. I want you to speak in life. It's going to be okay because my God is good. It's going to be all right. Because you know what? It takes a lot of energy to walk around and say, don't you dare deceive me. Don't you dare get my hopes up. Sick of it. I'm tired of it. It takes a lot of energy. I'd rather just speak faith. I'm not going to be naive. I'm not going to walk around saying, I'm I'm, I'm healed. I'm I'm, I'm still deaf. But God's going to heal me. It's going to be amazing when he heals me. Service will be canceled. I'm Jericho marching. All kinds of things. It's going to be amazing. I want you to walk away with a word today. And one of the greatest promises that we have in the Bible is that we're saved by grace, by God's grace, through faith. Faith means you got to grab a hold of it. You got to grab a hold of it. So that He's Lord of your life. It's not by our works so that we can brag or boast and say, I saved myself. But it's by what Jesus did on that cross. He's going to save you, but He's going to place purpose on the inside of you. He created you for some amazing powerful, incredible works that accompany with visions and dreams and purpose on the inside of you. With every head, bowed, and eye closed, that's you today. You're saying, I'm not too broken to be used. Man, I'm not too far gone to be saved. Man, I love Brenda when she said, man, I got a, a bad case of I can't. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Well, today is I can. I can't give my life to Jesus. And Jesus, you can use me. We're all going to pray a prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you or single you out. But if that's you, just raise a hand today and say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus today. I need to recommit or, re, re, uh, or give my life to Jesus today. If that's you, I'm just going to count hands. One, anyone else? Anyone else? Two, three. That's all I'm going to do. Four. Come on. Proud of you. Five. Anyone else? Six. Anyone else? Just six hands. That's awesome. So proud of you. Anyone else? Six, seven hands. I see you, my friend. I love you. Seven hands. Anyone else? And let's all pray this prayer together. Everyone lift your voice and say, Dear Jesus, say thank you for dying on the cross. Say thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Say be Lord of my life. Say the best way I know how. I'm going to live for you because I now know who I am. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God.